listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 26th of April 2023. Later, gold stocks on a tear, but first to inflation, which, according to the Bureau of Statistics, has eased to 7% annually in the March quarter. For more, I spoke with Brendan Rin, the Chief Economist at KPMG. Brendan, inflation is easing, but is it easing fast enough to satisfy the Reserve Bank? Look, we can say that inflation's um, peaked in the December quarter of last year and the roll-off of the price pressures looks like it's on track to achieve the inflation targets that the Reserve Bank um, have forecast for June of this year. Um, Headline inflation is expected to be 6.7% in June, just down from 7 and core inflation a little bit lower at 6.2%, down from 6.6%. Um, where it is today. Um, However, what I think the real concern is going to be is whether the inflation forecasts for the end of the year are going to be achieved. Um, The February statement of monetary policy had uh, those forecasts at 4.3% and 4.8% for core inflation and headline inflation respectively, which is a drop of just under 2% over the, the last six months of this year. Now, the, what we've seen is that inflation's only been falling at about 0.7, 0. 0.6 of a percent um, over the last six months. So it does look like it's going to be a bit of a tall order for those um, uh, inflation forecasts to be achieved by the end of the year. I'll talk about the implication for monetary policy in a few moments. But first, painting the picture with these latest inflation results, where are inflationary pressures coming from at the moment? Uh, There's a number of core sectors where you're seeing inflation um, at an annual growth of more than 5% at the moment. So you're seeing that in education, again, driven predominantly by higher wages growth being paid to teachers and staff. Uh, You've also seen it in healthcare during the quarter. Um, Medical and hospital services rose by 4.2%, in effect because of uh, the increase Uh, in health insurance premiums and non-medical services. Um, You also saw pharmaceutical products grow by about 4.5%. There's a combination of factors influencing that. One is that um, some households actually just fall off the PBS um, discount scheme at the beginning of the year. Um, But also, secondly, there's um, an increase of uh, around 6% um, for just medicines themselves, and that was offset uh, by the um, increase in the co-payment by the government uh, that uh, fell from $42 uh, down to $30 on the 1st of January. So, in fact, if that hadn't happened, you would have seen medical costs rising even more dramatically. I think what we've also seen is this shift from uh, goods inflation to services inflation. So uh, we're seeing discounts for things like furniture and appliances, cheaper petrol. So that's bringing down uh, costs for goods, but services are coming up, domestic holidays, um, accommodation, um, meals out, rents. What does that shift say about the economy? So it shows that um, we've reduced our demand for goods in effect because of both increasing interest rates and the fact that we um, purchased a lot of goods during COVID and a lot of those large goods just don't need to be replaced. So our demand for those bulky goods is is dropping off. 
but our demand for services um, is still being maintained. I think the COVID overhang with regards to wanting to um, make sure that we can eat out and enjoy um, recreational activities has meant that we've maintained that demand. And what you've seen is that um, in the latest purchasing managers index, uh, that services output is continuing to grow, uh, whereas manufactured output is starting to decline. So we are likely to see that continued pressure within the service sector, which is then putting pressure on wages, which is then feeding into prices for services. Part of that lift in services and inflation comes from rent. The ABS, along with the RBA, published a joint paper on rents also. So a lot of focus on that. What exactly is the concern about rising rents when we talk about inflation and the impact on the economy? So what we've been seeing is that rental growth um, has really been a lot higher uh, than what you're actually being captured in the CPI basket. Um, the latest ABS research showed that actual rent paid by new tenants um, over the year to February was something like 14%, um, whereas uh, being captured in the monthly CPI data was only 9%. When you think about 2 to 3% of properties each month change tenants um, and therefore have new rental uh, agreements struck, you're seeing that increase in higher rents feeding directly into um, those households needing to switch uh, how they consume um, their goods and services compared to when they were in, enjoying slightly cheaper rent. What that means is from an, um, a whole of economy perspective, you're going to see households need to pull back on some discretionary spending so that they can afford that higher rental um, that they now have to pay. That's going to slow down economic activity. At a more social level, where there's more concern is where these higher rents are forcing some households to reduce their spending in some non-discretionary areas where they're needing to switch um, spending on, say, food and medicines uh, into uh, paying that higher rental bill. So everything combined, what do you think this all means for the RBA's board meeting next week and ongoing monetary policy, especially when we refer back to that services inflation rising? Because isn't services inflation a lot more sticky and, and that's a key concern? Um, unfortunately, today's CPI data really doesn't provide a conclusive outcome um, in terms of what the A board should do next. Um, I remain in the camp that we need to see interest rates rise by about another 25 basis points um, to target a, a reduction in inflation in a more aggressive manner. But I don't think rates need to rise any more than that. Um, fundamentally, we know that monetary policy works on a lag, but at the moment, what we're also seeing is monetary policy working on a two-stage basis. And that's because uh, that a large proportion of residential mortgages are being on fixed rate mortgages that are only starting to roll off more aggressively from the middle of this year. And so in some effect, what we're seeing is that the effective interest rates are going to be rising over the coming 12 months as households become exposed to those higher interest rates, even without the Reserve Bank Board um, needing to move rates at all from their current settings. So that movement in the in a higher effective um, mortgage rate is going to mean that the monetary policy decisions 
in the past 12 months from May of last year um, are really going to now catch up with all households uh, and cause um, them to reduce their spending and pull back on aggregate demand, which will help with lowering inflation. That is Brendan Rin there from KPMG, Chief Economist there. The Australian share market did remain flat today. The ASX 200 off by just 0.1%. It did bounce off of its lows following the CPI data. For more, I spoke earlier with Hebe Chen from IG Markets. Well, I think this is a very important inflation point to understand how the inflation monster over operate or developed in the Australian market. So overall, I think there's a two part for the market to digest. On the one hand, we're having the inflation it's cooling down a little bit, it's pulling from 7.8 to 7%. So that's encouraging part. But on the other hand, we also have the service inflation jumping up the high fastest pace in two decades. So based on t- today's market's response, I feel that the market is taking more credit from the cooling part because what we see is that Australian dollars dropping sharply on the news, that obviously the market is betting on this. Today's report will kind of the close the door for the RBA to keep hiking for the next week's uh, next week's meeting. So up to today, the chances the market is pricing in for another 25 basis point high for next week is only less than 20%. Then that's the encouraging part. But on the other hand, what I also see is that I think today's report is perfectly in line with the RBA stress in their recent um, statement saying that the heightened or the very high level inflation was staying much longer than what we hoped for. So before, based on that, I think that kind of keep the door open for further tightening to coming through. So the miners, the gold miners, really rallied after today. Why? Well, the most straightforward reason is that we're seeing the gold price is picking up today. The gold price is back above the 2000, the very peak level just after three days dropping below. So which suggests quite a strong and very resilient demand for this like precious metal. And behind that, I think there's a sentiment which has been reignited last night from the U.S., that um, the potentially the banking crisis is not over yet, and also we're having the U.S. GDP print coming through tonight. The expectation for that is to suggest that U.S. economy will keep slowing down for the third straight quarter that potentially will be dropping below 2%. So putting both of them together is not helpful for the market to keep the risk appetite. And instead, we're seeing the, um, the capital flow more into the safe haven asset like gold price. And of course, the gold miners are the biggest beneficial for that. A bit more on the US in a few moments, but first a lot of focus too on the iron ore price, which plunged 11% last week. Given how exposed Australian shares are to resources, where do you see this sector going? Well, the, actually the downturn for the iron ore, you can actually trace back into the mid-March. So since then, we're seeing the iron ore price is dropping about 20%. And the key thing to trigger the downturn is because China just published a yearly target at 5% for this year, which is much lower than the market's anticipation. And since then, we're seeing the commodity market is trying to reprice in to adjust what the expectation for the demand from China and, of course, putting the pressure on the iron ore price as well. Moving forward, what I see is that I can see the pressure will still keeping on. The downtrend is probably will persist for a bit while. The next key march that potentially over, could revert this downtrend is that we're seeing the next China's manufacturing PMI coming out this Sunday will potentially will change this current downtrend and give some extra power to the iron ore prices and also the mining sectors as well. 
Reporting season really ramps up this week in the US. First, we heard from uh, First Republic overnight. Shares tanked 49%. Then after the markets closed, we heard from Google Parent Alphabet, Microsoft as well. I think they were better than expected. What's this reporting season saying about the US economy? Well, so, so far, we're having roughly about 20% of the SP500 company reported earnings. And for me, I think this is quite a ending season to suggest a slowing down is unavoidable in the US economy, but the presentation of it is quite uneven. So overall, we're seeing that the um, out of all the company reporting so far, they're reporting a 6.2% of decline in the earnings. And that's the worst number since the Q2 2020. So that's the big picture of it. But out of them, if you're looking into the individual sectors, we're seeing the quite uneven picture of that. For example, the financial sector, as you just mentioned, the First Republic just saying that they, lo- they lose about $100 billion deported just for the first quarter. But on the other hand, we also have the company that JP Morgan enjoyed the best ending day in the company's history, jumping about 8% on the day because of the quite positive result. And that's one of the examples. Another one you mentioned about tech sector. I see that the Netflix is the one that has been seeing the share price dropping quite sharply. The subscribers not fit into the expectation, but we also have the alphabet like Microsoft deliver quite a positive result to keep the confidence on. So it's quite, it's overall we're seeing the US economy is definitely slowing down, but still some of the price spot that will keep the confidence um, from the investors for their, their share prices. And just finally and very briefly, where do you see the opportunities for investors right now? Well, overall, I think given these uncertainty that going we're going to face in the next second half of the year. I think for the risk, more risk sensitive investors, the fixed asset or the fixed investors are probably one good areas, which I mean the bond yields is getting quite attractive level. And traditionally we know that the best time to invest in bond is when the central bank's nearing the end of the tightening cycle. And we know this is the time now. That's on one hand, but the on the other side, for more like a um, People with higher risk appetite, I still believe the big shift in the tech sector still quite appealing. That on the one hand, given the share price has been dropping sharply last year, but on the other hand, they still have quite a beautiful outlook. Or just take one example that, um, for example, the Meta share price is dropping about over 80% last year, but the price is back 70% since early days this year. So there's still quite a lot of value for investors. Just be more careful because the picture is not that easy to digest now. Ebi Chen there from IJ Markets. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.